Now on WOC, the QC Current puts a focus on our beautiful bi-state riverfront destination. Presented by Visit Quad Cities, it's a weekly look at untold stories of the Quad Cities region and the history, people, events, and businesses that make this area unique. Here's the host of the QC Current, Hannah Ginder. Good morning, QC. I'm Hannah Ginder, and this is the QC Current, a new radio show created by Visit Quad Cities with a focus on telling the untold stories of our bi-state riverfront destination. From little-known history to new innovations to quirky personalities, this show brings you deeper into the Quad Cities and leaves you ready to explore it yourself. This is the Quad Cities, where we're always reaching, always growing, always genuine, and always current. Today, I am so excited to chat with two members of the Living Lands and Waters team. Leah and Dan, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, Yeah. So just to get us started, for those who don't know, what is Living Lands and Waters? Can you give us a little bit of an introduction? Yeah. So Living Lands and Waters is a 501c3 environmental organization, um, and it was started about 22 years ago by Quad City native Chad Pergaraki. Um, and since the organization was founded, we've grown to be the only industrial strength river cleanup like it in the world. And that is because um, we spend up to nine months a year living and traveling on a fleet of five barges. Um, and that's where we host river cleanups, um, workshops, tree plantings, and other conservation efforts um and so in the 22 years we've worked on 24 rivers in 21 states and with the help of over 117,000 volunteers we've removed nearly 11 million pounds of garbage from U.S. rivers. Wow that's awesome so you guys are running a, a pretty large ship over there when and how did this all get started? Yeah so this obviously didn't get started overnight Dad, uh, who grew up on the banks of the Mississippi River in Hampton, Illinois, um, during the summer months of his high school years, he was working on the river as a muscle shell diver. So he spent a lot of time on the bottom of the river. He was working decking on uh, fleets of barges, as well as commercial fishing with his older brother, Brent. Um, and during these months, he was spending a lot of time on the riverbank. So he was uh, staying around there and realizing the problem that was right in front of his face, which is all the trash that pollute our waterways so he noticed this problem and realized that year after year as he was going out there and doing this work that no one was going out there to do anything about it and so when this organization started it sounded like chad was collecting trash in his parents backyard but you guys you've really evolved can you tell me a bit about that yeah the way it evolved really is after chad saw that no one was going out there to do anything about it he took it on to himself so he took his little john boat and started picking up trash, but then soon realized that he had nowhere to bring this garbage because the land, local landfills weren't just going to take this stuff for free. Um, so he just started staging it at mom and dad's house. So this uh, <laughs> organization really started from the bottom up where he was piling this trash at his mom and dad's house until he found a means to uh, properly dispose of everything. Um, and that all became after he started realizing that he needed to get some money. Uh, he started looking through the phone book, started with the letter A, and Alcoa, now Arconic, uh, was the first call that he had made uh, to make that um, led to where we're at today. They ended up believing in him. Um, Chad went with the idea of saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to get a sponsorship from you guys. 
And they said, okay, you know, how much are you thinking? He said $84,000. Well, that was quite a bit of money for this high school kid to receive for this, you know, pie in the sky goal that he had. Well, he ended up, uh, Arconic said back to them, you know, hey, we love your idea, but we can't be the only sponsor. So we need to have other people on board if we want to, you know, give you some of this money. I said, okay, no problem. So he went back, you know, really excited about this opportunity, reached out to a bunch of other organizations and companies in the Quad City area. All of them, unfortunately, were kind of turning them down, didn't really, you know, see what he had saw out there on the riverbank. So went back and Alcoa said, hey, you know what? we can give you $8,400 for your first year of cleaning up. And he said, okay, but that was only enough for him to get out there by himself in a John boat. Um, picked up over 30,000 pounds that first year. Uh, CNN got wind of this kid trying to clean up the Mississippi river from St. Paul to St. Louis and uh, did a story on him in 97. And this story kind of caught wildfire and uh, we ended up receiving a lot more uh, praise and everything as you know, Chad was doing this and he ended up, uh, started to grow. And so more money started coming in. He was able to hire more people, ended up getting a fleet of barges that now, you know, we have five barges. We have five 30 foot long John boats, uh, a crew of 10 of us, like Leah said, that travel. And yeah, it's, uh, it's really grown since day one. That's so awesome. Um, how did each of you guys both get involved with this huge operation from the start? Myself, um, so I'm from Massachusetts, and I was going to school in Salem um, and taking a social responsibility class, and my professor actually was talking about Chad and Living Land, um, and I just kind of thought, wow, that's super cool, and went on the website and saw that they host a alternative spring break program. Um, so I traveled from Massachusetts to Memphis, Tennessee, where I went and cleaned up with them for a week and just thought it was so awesome, thought the crew was great and went back the year after for my senior year spring break trip and just really wanted to be involved with this organization, didn't want to leave. So I, you know, told Chad like, Hey, if you ever need someone to do marketing for you. Um, give me a call and I just really lucked out because they had just opened up their marketing position Um, so I just started working with them right after college. Awesome. How about you Dan? Uh, Kind of similar story but I grew up here in the Quad Cities Geneseo and I actually didn't I wasn't aware of Living Lands and Waters until I saw a commercial on TV for uh it's called the Great Mississippi River Cleanup, and that was from St. Paul, Minnesota, down to St. Louis, Missouri. All on one day, they were going to collectively do a cleanup. And so I thought this was a really cool thing to be a part of. Got my folks and my younger sister out on the river. We went to Buffalo, Iowa to help out and kind of fell in love with the whole camaraderie of everybody getting out there and, and picking up trash and and was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. And so I kept being involved through my college years. I did a couple spring breaks, like Leah was saying, down in Memphis. Um, And then very similar, you know, after my college years were running out, I was talking to Chad about potential internship and and a job, and and I joined the crew right after. So that was back in 2013. So I know it's easy for us to all get behind, like, a clean river is a beautiful river. It's great for tourism. It's great for our residents. But why is it so important to keep our river clean? Yeah, so yeah. definitely along with, like, general aesthetics and recreation, wanting to keep, 
you know, our backyard clean. Um, over 18 million people get their drinking water from the Mississippi River alone. Wow. Um, there are over 119 fish species in the Mississippi River, hundreds of bird species. And, you know, when we get our our litter, our garbage into the river, there are fish mistaking it as food, the same with birds. So it's um, unfortunately endangering wildlife and, like, making its way into our food chain. Um, and then there's this stat kind of popping around that around 90% of the garbage in our oceans actually came out of rivers um, because if you think of it, all rivers are tributaries to the ocean. So it's important that we're working on the rivers, just kind of like stopping it in its tracks, not letting it get to the Gulf where it can make an even bigger impact on, you know, fish and wildlife and humans. So there, I could go on, but that's just kind of thinking of it from a Mississippi River perspective. Gotcha. Um, and though many of us know you guys best for your work cleaning up the river, there's a ton of other projects that Living Lands and Waters are involved in. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah. So uh, some of the other staples that we have is our Million Trees Project, uh, invasive species removal. We do an IED restoration. A lot of those are here locally. But um, our Million Trees Project was actually founded in 2007. Um, as we were cleaning a lot of the riverbanks, we started realizing that we were taking away um, a lot of this material and trash that was actually holding the banks in there. So erosion was occurring after we were leaving certain areas. Um, so we thought, what better way than to plant a tree in the spot to have those roots um, still hold the bank in place? So uh, that's how it all kind of began. We started this program where we were distributing trees to individuals that would plant them alongside riverbanks. Uh, especially the Mississippi and the Illinois rivers. Um, but it has since grown. Um, we realize, you know, trees are good for uh, a lot of reasons, not just holding in the riverbank. So we started giving them away uh, to anyone and everyone that would like to plant them. So each year we give away roughly 100,000 oak trees, sometimes a few other species, but um, to individuals that want them for free. Um, our invasive species removal program, that one uh, was founded back in, we, we've done it off and on uh, since like 2010, but in 2014, we really started combating it over at Alinawick Forest Reserve in Hampton. And that was uh, with our main focus to go in and remove the invasive honeysuckle bush. And so this bush will actually grow up and be, you know, sometimes 15, 20 feet tall. And so what it does is the first thing to grow up every year in the spring and the last thing to stay living every every fall so it still has its leaves and taking a lot of that sunlight out of the the forest floor so it's not letting anything else grow so it basically grows up like an umbrella taking all that uh that sunlight so we go in um remove those with hand saws and loppers with volunteers uh, a lot of times high school students in the quad city area and we work with ijag and john deere and and a lot of other companies locally here to combat that problem. But it's really cool because after um, we end up removing these invasives, sometimes we plant trees in their spot, but other times we just let the native, uh, the native plants kind of take root and they grow themselves. A lot of wildflowers start growing and, and it's really cool to see that uh, quick impact that you can have on an environment over a short amount of time. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys are super busy with all that. Um, and also something that just is really crazy, but also super impressive to me is you guys spend nine months a year living and traveling on the barge. 
what's that like? like where are you guys sleeping? What's what's the day to day on there? Yeah, so we actually um, one of our barges is dedicated solely to our house. Um, so back in 2011, our newest house barge was built by Union Carpenters, and it's actually a lot homier than people imagine. Every time we have a guest on there, they're like, oh, okay, you guys are actually living really, really comfortably here. So we each have our own bedrooms. There's a male and female bathrooms, um, our classroom where we host education workshops, as well as just kind of like it kind of doubles as our living room. Um, And then we have a full galley. So we're cooking meals on there, depending on who's you know, living on the bars, we're normally um, taking, you know, dinner duties and, and whatnot. Um, so the living arrangements are great. And then, you know, it, it is, it's so fun, just like the places that we go and the people that we meet when we are traveling on the barge, um, just kind of like these small river communities that you normally wouldn't, you know, choose to go vacation. So, you know, these just small towns that I just have thoroughly enjoyed, especially coming from a bigger city, you know, just meeting and becoming a part of these really welcoming, fun communities. Um, There's this one town that I want to say is kind of all of our favorites. It's Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Um, It's so small that their mayor is a dog and (laughs) no one spot that everyone hangs out at is this general store where people you know travel from all over and pick on their instruments together and it's just a it's just you know eye-opening and just wholesome to be you know traveling on the barge for you know many points of the year I love that and you guys even have some crew dogs that travel with you can you tell us a bit about that yeah we have um at the moment we have three crew dogs. There's Travis and Porkchop, which is um, Chad and Tammy's dogs and the most well-known. Um, and then I actually have a, a pup, Coda. Um, so he's been on the barge for about two years now, but they just kind of are living their best life out there, going on boats every day and running, wreaking havoc on the, the shorelines of whatever river we're on. <laughs> That's awesome. Do they, do they have jobs or they're just there for morale and some laughs? I want to say, like, pork chops there for morale. Um, but some of our dogs do get into the, the cleanups. I know Coda likes to dig out tires, and we used to have crew pup Bailey, who would, along with, you know, chasing off every squirrel that approached, would also be digging out some garbage and, and whatnot. But mostly they're just there for volunteer enjoyment. <laughs> awesome. Um, so your team pulls out all kinds of crazy items out of the river. Of course, there's, you know, plastic bottles, bags of garbage, that kind of classic river trash that we all think about. But I read you guys also have pulled out whole cars and pianos and mannequin parts. What are some of your favorite or maybe most interesting things that you guys have pulled out? Well, personally speaking, uh, one of the coolest things I think that most of the crew would say is, is finding a message in a bottle. Um, we don't condone the, 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 the way for people to just go out there and throw them in the river. But when we do find them, it's, it's interesting to see its story. Um, some of them are written to past loved ones. Some of them are telling hardship that an individual is going through. So some of them are pretty personal. Some of them are just silly and goofy and, 
and their kids writing, you know, weird, obscure letters or drawings and putting them <laughs> in a bottle and tossing them down. But um, that's kind of the the mystery behind opening one of those. You don't really know what's in it until you you open it. But um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, we found a lot of cool things, like you were saying, with cars and everything. And um, our operation grew back in 2015 with uh, an excavator that John Deere donated. So with this excavator, we're able to get a lot of large items. So I'd say I've, I've gotten a lot of enjoyment about, you know, getting some of these cars that have been ditched along the river um, since probably the 1950s or so uh, and pulling those out and kind of, you know, putting them back to their the place where they belong. <laughs> What's that process like, you know, getting a, a whole car out of the water? Do you usually spot it from the surface, or do you have some sort of technology that's seeing what's under there? How do you all do that? Um, we just kind of, we'll scout out our, our garbage spots before cleanups. We'll just kind of take a boat and go along the shoreline to see what we can find. Um, but when we're doing an excavator cleanup, uh, we usually just take the excavator barge, detach it from the rest of our fleet, and we have a mini towboat that pushes it um so our captain of the mini towboat normally just has a pair of binoculars and he's looking to see what is there on the shoreline but you can usually see the big stuff like you'll see hunks of cars or boats or uh, big pieces of uh, scrap metal and such um and it is kind of our excavator is super strong but it usually does take a few attempts to get something large onto the barge but it's it's very fun and empowering when you when you get all of it (laughs) sounds like it all right so what's next for living lands and waters it sounds like you guys are always kind of busy with something new what's coming up next on your horizon yeah well this year specifically has you know thrown a lot of curveballs to everyone in the world but um us specifically, we have taken a, a chance to step back and regroup and kind of see what we've been doing uh, right with the organization and how we can make it better. Uh, it's also been a great chance to kind of ship shape the barge. Uh, we're doing a lot of painting right now on our barges, kind of cleaning them up, making them look good. A lot of the stuff, you know, normal years we're doing hundreds of volunteer events a year where we're kind of go, go, go. Well, now we're able to you know, do all that maintenance stuff that we've put off for many, many years. So we're able to do that. But um, what's on the horizon right now, I guess, more so, more or less, is our our IED restoration project. We've been focusing on that since 2016 when the tornado came through the Quad Cities and tore up a lot of that land uh, by the on and off ramp on the Illinois side where the uh, Interstate 80 crosses the Mississippi River. Um, And it tore down a lot of trees, leaving mainly just the invasive trees that are there uh so we went in with you know close to 500 volunteers local arborists here in the area to tear these down cut them down into sizable chunks that we can move out um and then replant prairie seed so uh we've done about close to 20 acres over there and so most people in the quad cities if they're driving over the 80 bridge can can see it it changes your first impression of illinois hopefully for the better that's our goal and uh our next step with that is to um, make a bike path that or a walking trail that would actually go up to the Illinois Welcome Center um, from the Great River Trail there along the river. So allows people to have a different vantage point of the Mississippi and 
Um, but that's something that we're really proud of and looking forward to um, the future of that project and, and how we can make things better here in the Quad Cities. Awesome. Sounds super exciting. So how can our listeners get connected with you guys? I know volunteer efforts are maybe on the minimum right now, but how can they get connected with you, find what sort of other things may be coming up, all that? Um, yeah, so we are, um, our tree nursery is over in Davenport, Iowa, and we have our little tree saplings growing over there. Um, so that is one program that we have kept going because we cannot stop the weeds from growing, no matter how many times we tell them that we can't have a lot of volunteers out there, they just keep growing. So um, volunteers can come out to our tree nursery. Um, there's plenty of room to spread out and um, help us keep up with maintaining, you know, just weed pulling. It's it's good for really any age group there's just a lot of kneeling that has to happen so if you have bad knees maybe it's not for you um and also we a good way to you know keep up to date with what we're doing and what opportunities we have is just to you know follow us on facebook or instagram that's usually where we're posting our um events and our location where the barge is at and what we're up to Um, And it just kind of helps us out in an easy way when we, you know, grow our audience um, and our supporters. Um, It actually does help us out in a big way. So we're on Facebook at Living Lands and Waters and Instagram, same thing. And then Twitter is at LL and W. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for helping us understand the Living Lands and Waters story a bit better, a bit deeper. Um, And now we're going to wrap things up the way we always do on the QC Current with some fun rapid-fire questions to figure out some of your guys' favorite spots and things to do in the Quad Cities. Are you ready for it? Yes. I'm ready. Okay. Favorite spot for dinner? Ooh. For Dan here, I'm going to go me and Billy's. Good one. I like uh, my new fave is uh, the captain's table. Ooh, yum. And your favorite local cup of coffee? Mmm. I'll I'll go with um shoot what is it called Milltown is that it yeah <laughs> right on the river yep yep Milltown for me too and your favorite place to grab dessert or a sweet treat okay okay sweet treat <laughs> oh I'm going to Whitey's <laughs> I this Dan I'm I'm not a huge dessert or sweet guy I would if I were to end my evening anywhere it'd probably be over the Rust Belt or the Redstone Room. With a treat to my ears. (laughs) I love that. Switch it up. Okay. And then what is your favorite Quad Cities brewery? Um, I think I'm going with Bent River. I love their beer. Yep. Bent River for me here. And do you have a favorite beer that you order there? Um, I guess right now I would go with the sweet potato, but um, I'm a fan of sours. So I think they have like a lemon drop sour. That's been my new go-to. I go with the sweet potato this time of year as well. Otherwise, the pale ale, my Ooh. favorite. Okay, and then your favorite way to spend a free Saturday afternoon in the Quad Cities? I'm always on the search for live music. So if there's something going on, like I've been going to the Tangled Wood for some for some tunes. So wherever I can do that. Recently, I've uh, been getting into a little more outdoor recreation with the biking and stuff, and. Recently explored Sylvan Island for the first time, surprisingly, after living here for 
30 years. Um, and then also the Rock River Bike Path has been a lot of fun to take my family out there. Awesome. And then a final question of the day, what's one thing every visitor in the Quad Cities must do? Hmm. I'm going to say try the pizza. <laughs> I, I'd recommend Clint's Pizza, but uh, I've, I'm a fan of all of them. Yeah, the pizza's interesting. Let's 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 stay with the pizza theme and go go with pizza. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you guys so much for chatting with us today. I'm Hannah Thanks, Ginder, Hannah. and this has been the QC Current. You've been listening to the QC Current, presented by Visit Quad Cities, the official destination management and marketing organization for the Quad Cities region. Learn more about us, our region, neighborhoods, and community partners at visitquadcities.com and connect with us through your favorite social media sites. Tune in next weekend for another episode of the QC Current on WOC News Talk 1420.